Hello there. You're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We'll also be doing a special look back at the Fast and Furious franchise with the help of both of our guests. We got two of them this week, Ryan Mayers and Kirk Simpson. Thanks all for coming on the show. Yeah, hello, hello. Yeah, thanks for having us. start off with a little bit of news not too much has happened nothing crazy but a lot of films are getting back to work shooting we have aquaman 2 john Wick 4 and knives out 2 they all just started production the other day on the same day somehow it was an interesting coincidence but the big movies are coming back another sign that hopefully the pandemic era and its effect on the film industry will continue to disappear Mm -hmm. Life is starting to return to normal. I'm starting to see less and less masks as I go out, which may not be a good thing, but Mm -hmm. may not be a bad thing. We'll see. Yeah. I I work as a, I work in a retail job and Mm -hmm. uh, it was really, really kind of reassuring that we've been able to safely and comfortably drop our mask requirement just because of uh, how, how good the vaccine numbers are. Uh, especially around the campus. So that's kind of a reassuring sign. And of course, thankfully some people still like wear them out of com- out of like uh, caution, but I'm really happy with how this is going and I'm super excited to go back to a theater. Have you been back yet? Not yet. Uh, can you guess what the first movie I'm going to be back for is probably going to be? Bro, Star Trek 8. <laughs> <laughs> the Tarantino one. <laughs> <laughs> is it gonna be f9 it's gonna be f9 ah there it is <laughs> you didn't go opening weekend but next weekend you're gonna go for it the second weekend probably we're yeah. figuring it out but kirk and i are gonna go together oh, yeah. um, we we have a history with this franchise as i'm sure we'll get into <laughs> <laughs> yes we will well that's exciting We've also got some other news for Transformers Rise of the Beasts. It has cast Ron Perlman as Optimus Primal. Correct. Yes. Primal. (laughs) Not to be confused with Optimus Prime. Who will still be the same voice actor. Correct. As always. Yeah. That's the, are you guys excited for that one? The new Transformers. They also just recently released the subtitle, which is Rise of the Beasts, which will deal with what? the more dino-esque when they already do that though they had the transformers yeah they did that dinos. one didn't they? i don't know i've seen there's like, more yeah <laughs> i've seen like i think three out of how many then there have been five so far i've seen three of them five i can't they all kind of blend together i'm also <laughs> trying to all... count was there five or i think there are five there are three shia labeouf ones one. yeah there's a mark Wahlberg one mm-hmm. and then there's the last night okay I think he's correct. And, I know and then there's saw... the Bumblebee spinoff. Yes, the horse oh. girl movie masquerading as a Transformers movie. <laughs> I know I saw... Um, I know I saw Dark Side of the Moon, I think. Was that one of them? Or yeah. 
Dark, dark of the Moon, moon or whatever. Dark Side of the dark Moon. Of the moon. Pink Floyd. That's, <laughs> yeah. I wish I saw that in theaters. Uh, I saw Dark of the Moon in theaters ages ago, whenever it was, and I don't really remember anything about it. And I remember seeing Bumblebee and getting really mad at it because it, I, I don't know. Everyone was comparing it to The Iron Giant, which is one of my favorite movies. And I mean, it was worse. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was fine. I just don't really ever think about it until it's brought up again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them mm-hmm. in a long time. I think I saw the first one when I was a kid, but that's probably about it. I don't remember seeing any of the other ones except maybe the second one in, in glimpses walking through the living room as someone else was watching it, perhaps. Not a big fan of the Transformers franchise. I do remember, especially when I was a kid, because I like seeing all the big, crazy explosions and effects. Mm-hmm. So I definitely saw the first three Shia LaBeouf ones. Then I think I saw the Mark Wahlberg one. And I was like, wow. This is how it's been the whole time. This is genuinely <laughs> so bad. And then I don't think I watched the fifth one until it was like a family movie night later on we got on red box or something but this new one which i don't believe is having mark Wahlberg, because it's gonna be slightly a prequel like they're doing it in the 90s when they <laughs> first arrived the transformers which didn't they already do that in bumblebee i didn't see that <laughs> one i did not see bumblebee so i'm not sure but yeah i do you guys think you'll go see this one in theaters no, no probably not <laughs> i doubt it Dang, no enthusiasm for Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Not in the slightest. Not even a little bit. In other news, Harrison Ford is injured yet again. Oh no! The man is so fragile yet so resilient. He got an injury filming Indiana Jones Five, which is funny because everyone beforehand was like, "This is a terrible idea. Let the man just retire." And then within the first two weeks of shooting i believe it is he got injured and so now they're gonna have to plan around it schedule mm-hmm. scenes around his injury i mean he was too old when they made the fourth one and that was mm-hmm. what 2009 yeah oh my god now he's making one. another one like and how some of the nazis are back there are set photos of nazis and he he was indiana jones during the nazi period when he was in his 40s and now he's in his 80s how do who brought back the Nazis in the 70s? <laughs> the aliens from the last one brought back the Nazis. Do we have Crazy. to do that? That's that's too timely. I don't like that. <laughs> I suppose. So, yeah, oh, Indiana boy. Jones 5. Will you guys be seeing that one in theaters? Probably. Yeah. I kind of don't want to support it because I don't want them to do a sixth one <laughs> when he's 94 years same, old. Same time, though, I'm just curious enough to like, I just want to see what it's going to be because like, I... When I was a kid, I don't know why this was like a movie I latched onto, but I loved Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I was like, this is when I was really young and I hadn't seen any of the other ones. Uh, so, I mean, it's fun when I don't you're know. a kid. It's a good Yeah, ride. I just hated the uh, I hated the ants. Like that always like messed me up. I had to like, yeah. you know, look the other way. But otherwise, it was a good time. It's it's fun watching this old ass man just keep up, just yeah. hustle throughout each scene. He impressed me a little bit in some of those scenes, like in the opening one where they're in the uh, the big cargo unit with all the the where they find the ark and then they're all trying to find the skull. When he swings and then lands inside the truck, and it's actually him falling into the truck. I was impressed. I mean, he was like sixty something when he did that. He's still pulling it off. Mm-hmm. Of course, Tom Cruise is also 60 now. No. 
He's yeah. on the verge of it, right? But he's not 60. Wait, really? If he's not 60, then he's 59. I'm pretty sure he's my dad's age, who is 60. No. And he's doing Mission Impossible still. Tom that's Cruise a lie. Is 58. I, I refuse to believe that. You're lying to me. He's 24 Te- still. Insane. Technology is going to advance to a point where we can still have 90-year-olds doing stunts. Eventually. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'll have Tom Cruise doing, like, high falls at, like, 103. Look, Just like I'm not wrinkly old man jumping off of a building. No, I'm not saying that same. we should be. I'm not saying that we should be actively supporting Scientology. What I am saying is that Tom Cruise <laughs> looks better at 58 than I do right now. So <laughs> there's got to be something. Something there. is working there. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they got goodness. something in the water there. That's amazing. Because in the the Top Gun trailer, he looks almost the exact same as he does in the original Top mm-hmm. Gun. It's mind boggling. We need his genes. That's what I'm saying. We have our box office breakdown now for the week of June 25th to the 27th of the weekend. F9, which premiered this weekend, had the biggest pandemic era opening of all time with $70 million domestic, which is great. Ish. Great ish. What do you mean? That's That was on the upper end of expectations. Yeah, but F8 had $98 million and... As a person who has F9 in their box office drafts, I wanted it to be closer to 98. So I'm disappointed with the 70. Yeah. Did you all hear about our little box office draft that we did? I've been keeping up with it a little bit. Oh, you did? (laughs) We picked five films to add to our roster, and we're hoping that our selection of films will combined beat out the other person's worldwide gross for those films. And so this is the first one of any of our selections that have premiered. It was on Dylan's side. Mm-hmm. And so he's hoping it'll do well. Again, I mean, I think right now, it's on the upper end of expectations yeah. for the domestic opening. You also do have to factor in, I mean, it is still pandemic era. I so think that the Furious had that going for it. A more recent comparison would be Hobbs and Shaw, the spinoff, so it didn't have the mainline franchise appeal. Mm-hmm. And F9 got more than that. Hobbs yeah. and Shaw had sixty million um, for its opening, but its domestic total was one hundred seventy-three million. Fate of the Furious, which you already brought up, its domestic total was two hundred twenty-eight million. So, F nine, if it has a seventy million opening, mm-hmm. seems like it's going to fall somewhere in that range. I think it'll fall around two hundred million, like close to the middle, if not a little under two hundred million domestically. Right now, for the draft update. F9 is at 400 million worldwide, which is not bad. You know, I'm keeping up. I'm doing all right. I'm hoping to end up somewhere around the 700 million range in order to consider this a success. But I don't, I don't think, think I can get there. I don't think he's getting there, y'all. No. Mm, I don't I mean, know. I can try. I feel confident. I, th- I think you might. I think you might at least break into the sixes. I don't mm-hmm. know that you'll get seven though. I've got 300 million left to get there. I need. I know I'm gonna get probably around 130 million of that from domestic. Hopefully, that's mm-hmm. hopeful. Around that much. So there's that much, and so I still need 170. And it still has yet to open in several foreign countries, and it still has a couple of weeks at the foreign box office. So we'll see. I don't mm-hmm. think I can quite get there, but we will see. Yeah, I think it'll maybe hit 600 million. And then I think that's real. So I don't think it'll be able to crack 700 million. We'll see. In second place with uh, 6.2 million was A Quiet Place Part 2 in its fifth weekend. Which is very impressive for Mm -hmm. them. They beat Mm -hmm. out the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which came in with 4.8 million. 
And so that's its second weekend. It was a 57% drop, which isn't too bad, but again, it fell behind A Quiet Place Part 2. Yeah, which is sad. I mean, A Quiet Place Part 2 has some legs, I guess. It's still going. People are still going to see it. But The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, I feel like we're just going to see it get lower and lower from here on out. Mm-hmm. After The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard is Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway with 4.7 million. Cruella holding on with 3.8 million. The Conjuring 3 with 3 million. In the Heights. So sad. 2.2 million. Kirk, did you see Jurassic. In the Heights? I feel like you I would did. Be. I have seen In the Heights. I just finished listening to you guys' review of it, and I agree pretty much wholeheartedly with everything you said. Perfect. Great, great ideas. Overall, kind of meh execution. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> exactly. After In the Heights was Spirit Untamed with 1 million, and that closes out our box office breakdown. Yes. And now for our predictions next week. There's so much coming out. I'm going to list off some of the ones and we'll see what appeals to any of you. And then we'll see if we can nail some predictions for the box office next week. Mm -hmm. So coming out in theaters is the forever purge, which is the fifth one, I think. And then boss baby family business, the sequel to the Alec Baldwin (laughs) flick uh, back in 20. 18 was it it had 50 million for its domestic opening back then um so those are coming out in theaters but then we also have a crowded field on streaming no sudden move comes out on hbo max Mm -hmm. which is directed by steven soderbergh Mm -hmm. which is a somewhat heist movie it's about people stealing something and it isn't oceans 14 so i'm a little mad about that (laughs) but it's got a star-studded cast with don Cheadle, john ham david arbor Ray Liotta and Benicio del Toro, uh, so that's coming out on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. The Tomorrow War is coming on Amazon Prime. That's the Chris Pratt film where he gets drafted by people in the future to fight a tomorrow war. Um, and then on Netflix, Fear Street Part One, which I, they're doing each week. Like this is the first week, mm-hmm. and then for three weeks they're going to have a new Fear Street film come out. I'm not sure why in July that's what's happening, but they got that going on over there. So five pretty substantial projects being released in theaters and on Mm -hmm. streaming services. So it's going to be a cluttered weekend. So how do you guys think that will impact F9? Because in the pandemic era, we know the drops in the second weekend are pretty significant. So with all this competition... Is F9 going to be able to have a good hold or is it going to crumble? I So I have seen F9 uh, mm-hmm. and I'll save my general thoughts on it for later in, in the in the podcast. But I haven't seen nearly as much like talk on Twitter as I have for even movies like, say, A Quiet Place Part 2 or even like Cruella had a lot of people had a lot of stuff to say about that. Um, mm-hmm. I think as far as new releases, I don't think... The Boss Baby is going to do a whole lot, especially seeing that it's also going to be streaming on Peacock this weekend. Um, And I mean, The Tomorrow War, I feel like had pretty good marketing push behind it. I feel like I've been seeing advertisements for that for the past like two months. Doesn't mean I'm going to see it, but at least I know what it is. (laughs) So I think F9 is actually going to hold strong. Um, I I hope it does. I think F9 can take the cake in number one spot, but if not, I think the only thing that could overtake it is Boss Baby. 
because it says here the first flick got 50 million dollars in its first domestic opening which is a lot more than i thought boss baby could do and it's also the only kids movie out right now other than peter rabbit 2 which sucks and spirit untamed <laughs> you haven't even seen which that. is uh, it's got james corden so it's oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> and spirit untamed which is kind of on its way out the door in terms of our box office breakdown only made one million last weekend so boss baby is going to be like the draw for families to come in and if boss baby can have enough of a draw for the people who want to see a sequel who liked the first one and it's not gonna make 50 million at all not not nearly but with f9 making 70 million and having about a 60 percent drop 50 60 percent drop like we've seen so far it they're gonna be neck and neck with how much they could make in the second weekend so it's gonna go one two either f9 boss baby or boss baby f9 and i'm not sure which and then after that it will be the forever purge and then probably a quiet place part two and then hitman's wife bodyguard peter rabbit duking it out for spot number five I was going to say, I've seen like... Yeah, what do you think F9 will get? Um, I don't know how to confidently guess numbers, but I think it'll probably like stay solidly well. Like, I think... I don't know. I feel like this is one of the biggest, like... uh, One of the biggest movies that's been pushed as a comeback to theaters. This is is your welcome back thing. Like, we had that one trailer with uh, uh, Vin Diesel talking about like, theaters are so important and theaters are as important as family and i feel like that was a big part of the marketing was like have this be the movie you come back to theaters with and i mean it's gonna be the movie i come back to theaters with so i think that's probably like the biggest like thing that'll be back i don't know if that's gonna help it stay where it is but i mean that's still you know something in its favor um out of all the new ones, I've seen the most, like, I've seen the most uh, marketing for the Forever Purge, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know. I mean, I've never heard anyone saying anything good about any of the Purge movies that I know of, but I'm also, like, really pretentious, so that might be a bias. But I don't know. I think that could do something. I mean, uh, I've seen, like, a little bit for the Tomorrow War, but not much. Um I actually think I think I agree with Dylan that I think uh, the Boss Baby Two could like actually make a somewhat surprising amount of money. Like I remember that being a very profitable thing for mm-hmm. Sony, right? Is Sony DreamWorks. Or is that DreamWorks? DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. For I remember it being profitable for DreamWorks, uh, at least from like what I remember. So I could see that being the uh, being pretty high up in um, being pretty high up this weekend. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. I think, as Dylan said, it'll be neck and neck for Boss Baby and F9. I think F9 is going to come in 25 mil or below. And yeah. I think Boss Baby will be able to crack 20 million just because it's that only family up there, that family film this weekend. And it's July 4th weekend. I don't know. I guess some people go to the theaters. I don't see the appeal of doing that on the 4th of July weekend, but people out there do it. And so I think Boss Baby will be able to get some people. Um, so, yeah, I believe that will probably stay in second, but it has a good chance of overtaking F9 this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then Forever Purge will probably come in around 13 million, somewhere around there. Um, but yeah, that's our top three 
for next weekend. And now we can get into the discussion of Fast and Furious, the franchise. Oh, boy. So here's how we're doing this little episode. It's a special little ordeal. So I have not seen any of the Fast and Furious movies. Not one. Never went as a kid. Was never taken to any of them. And then since then, I mean, I saw all the trailers. I saw all the people in them. And I was like, oh, I guess that's cool. But it never appealed to me. But y'all have seen those films. And so what you're going to do is pick one film from the franchise. There's 10 total now because F9 plus Hobbs and Shaw. So you're going to pick one of those 10 films. And you are going to argue in its favor and try and convince me to watch that film. And so how we're going to do it is each of you will first reveal your films and then you'll have an opening statement of up to two minutes you can keep it concise or you can go the full two minutes Mm -hmm. Uh, but you deliver your initial pitch of why i should see your film each of you will get that chance then you will we will open the floor up to debate so you can cross-examine the other people's films you can tear them down roast them (laughs) prop yours up all that good stuff we'll do that for about 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and then in the end, we'll have a one-minute closing statement where everyone can do their final spiel, and then I will select the movie from the Fast and Furious franchise that I will see. Now, Ryan and Kirk actually have a leg up on me because I've only seen a couple of these movies. I couldn't get through all of them. Could not do it. <laughs> he had his birthday. Happy I did. Birthday. I did. Happy birthday. So I've seen a couple of them, and I know exactly which one I'm going to pick, but Ryan and Kirk did a marathon where they watched every single one back to back. How did that go? You guys? Absolutely awful. I don't recommend anyone do it, but <laughs> it <was> fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Two we very had... Can you tell who suggested the marathon? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I eventually had a good time and I'll be talking about that in my opening, uh, opening statement, but we had the idea to do a, triple compound marathon where we watched three franchises at the same time switching from one movie to another uh where we watched all of the mission impossible movies which are kirk's favorite thing in the world Mm -hmm. they're they're incredible so they're great they're so and we watched all the star trek movies which you know aren't really all good like maybe two or three of them are good but they're my favorite (laughs) thing in the world and just to balance out the numbers so we could alternate we added the fast and furious movies which kind of became the most interesting part of the marathon mm-hmm. uh, in a unexpected and weird way. But yeah, Kirk can tell you how difficult it was to keep me going with that. It was like pulling teeth. You can t- We logged all of our <laughs> entries on Letterboxd and you could tell it would be like we would watch a Star Trek movie and then it would be four or five days until I could get him to sit down and watch the next Fast and Furious movie. And then either that day or the next day, we'd watch the next Star Trek movie and the gaps would continue. So, but it was absolutely worth it in the end. I mean, yeah, in hindsight, I had a great time, but it took a lot of effort to get me to sit down Mm -hmm. and watch them. But, uh, thank you for forcing me to do that. The next franchise you guys have to watch is going to be Transformers. (laughs) Oh, don't say that because he'll do it. Okay, I, but I but to be fair, the special infe- <laughs> the special effects in those movies are top tier. They're incredible. That's the true. way that they, they are, especially the ones that Michael Bay actually made. Very the very spectacle. Well. 
It's just the stories get worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and so it's just hard to hold on. But I would be willing to do because there's only like what five we said five, five or six. Yeah. yeah. I'd be willing to sit down and watch the Transformers movies more than the Fast and Furious ones at least. Fine. All right. <laughs> One day we'll also we'll I'm sure get a Star Trek episode in the future. We can have you come on. And then we can definitely do a Mission Impossible thing. Oh, yeah. oh, I would binge watch all the Mission Impossible movies in a heartbeat. I love them so much. I, I would, would 100% do, do that. I would it's rewatch just, them. Such an incredible thing. I remember I watched the first three back to back right after I'd watched Ghost Protocol because I'd never mm-hmm. seen them. So I watched all three of them. I was like, these are fantastic in very, yeah. very different ways, each of them. And then I was just so excited for Rogue Nation, Fallout, and now I'm really excited oh. for the new one. Uh, I just love, love the Mission Impossible movies. Have you seen I know all I said, of them, Ryan? Hill? I've not yes. seen all of them. There's a couple that I've missed, but all of them since Ghost Protocol I've seen, and then the first one I've seen. They're all mm-hmm. amazing. The one with Philip Seymour Hoffman is great. Ooh, He's so Two is a little less than the, the third one. The second one's yeah. all right, but the third one's great. Yeah. Your wife, the... Ethan. <laughs> the second one's her. great. What are you talking about? I'm going to hurt her. I'm going to hurt her. <laughs> Where's the rat's I don't know. foot? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Mission Impossible 2 is a masterpiece. Ugh. It's just cool because it opens with... Is that the one where he opens up and he's rock climbing? Yeah. That's it. That's the yep. only cool part. Is he's free climbing yeah. a wall for no reason. And then they call him yeah. back into duty. Yeah. To repair and then it goes it's great. entirely downhill from there. And Limp Biscuit does the theme song. So anyway, The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> uh, Ryan, different franchise. Who's going first, Ryan? Dylan, I think in honor of your birthday... Yeah, it's gotta be you. You gotta kick us All right. off. All right, so let me, let me get my trusty timer. All right, are you ready? I am ready. Go for it. Okay, so my pick is Fast Five. It's the fifth installment of the franchise, and you kind of need to watch all the ones leading up to it, but you really don't. Just basically, all you need to know is that Dominic Toretto, who's Vin Diesel, Brian O'Connor, who's Paul Walker, and Mia Toretto, they're all on the lam. They're on the run because of the events of the last movie, which don't even matter. Nobody cares about the fourth Fast and Furious movie. So they're on the lam, and they steal a car, and in the car is a chip, and the chip has the safe house drops for the most powerful man, crime lord, in Rio de Janeiro that leads to hundreds of millions of dollars. And they're like, fuck it. We're going to steal this man's money because fuck this guy. And so this is the first time in any of the movies where they take all the characters from the previous movies and they put them all together to commit a crime. And the crime is stealing this money. And it's fucking awesome. It is sick. Watching them just like, they're like planning this out. They're like, it's it's a heist movie. It's, it's a really, really well done heist movie. It's like the Ocean's movies, but with cars. And that's what's so cool about it. And it's also the first time, one of the first times, where they start pushing the limits of reality past just cars like they, they start testing the waters and then it gets crazier and crazier which makes it worse and worse in the later movies because it gets just out of out of control like going to space and the ridiculously long runway in the sixth one which is so stupid it just gets worse and worse and worse but in this one they're testing reality and they're pushing it just slightly enough to where it's interesting but not completely unbelievable like i'm like they probably can't do this in real life but if they could it'd be fucking sick it'd be wicked like because they're doing parts of it in real life. Because parts of it are real. And there's just little bits of CGI. But when you watch like the ninth one and they go to space, you're like, fuck that. Right, that's my time. 
Okay, thank you, Dylan. You have picked Fast Five. All right, Kirk and Ryan, who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go next because mine is uh, Fast and Furious Six. <laughs> so let me know when I can start my two minutes. You're good. All right, go let's ahead. do it. Members of the jury, your honor, the question laid before us is a difficult one because the answer to it depends largely on what you as a viewer want to get out of a The Fast and the Furious movie. Entries in this franchise can give you many things. Street race, street races, heists, explosions, feists, fights of the fist and vehicular variety, and of course, family. I believe that no Fast and the Furious film combines all of these elements quite as well as Fast and Furious 6. So let's get into it. The tone of this movie uh, is the perfect bridge between the very serious grounded and frankly somewhat boring uh first five movies leading up to this and it's the perfect middle ground between that and the absolute ridiculousness of fate of the furious and fast nine largely this is because of the rock did you know the rock is in these movies because the rock is in these movies and he's so big and i just want him to give me a hug and he's just rocking it out they get to use uh, in Fast Five, I will say a pro for that movie is the one PG-13 allowable fuck goes to The Rock when he turns dramatically to a character and goes, stay the fuck out of my way. And it gave me chills. Uh, but in this movie, he uh, is the ultimate badass and uh, runs a team along with alongside uh, Gina Carano from The Mandalorian, who is just as bad of an actress in this as she is in those in the in that series uh and she also uh, gets shot in the chest with a harpoon so how great is that speaking of the uh crazy long runway uh there's a crazy long runway in the show <laughs> the ending of this movie revolves around them basically heisting a plane and this sequence takes place the, the plane is actively attempting to take off on this runway for a good 12 minutes uh and we'll get into later the stuff with han and the other set pieces with owen shaw as the bad guy but really this is this is a film about family so thank you very much gotcha thank you thank you all right we have fast five fast six is that the what is the title of the sixth one that one is uh fast ampersand furious six the naming conventions of these movies make absolutely no sense. I do like Fate of the Furious. I think that was clever. Yes. Sometimes stylized as F8 of the Furious, <laughs> but not always. <laughs> the names of these movies are like one of the best things about them. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. F9 was lazy. Yeah. Was. F9 I mean, colon the Fast before. Saga. Yeah. yeah, that's lazy. They can do They can do better. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, is it my um, turn? Yep. It has been reset. You're good to go. All right. So I am going, I think we're going with the left field choice of picking an early one. I'm going with the third movie, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. I checked earlier, it does have the thes in it. So make sure you write that down. Um, first off, I want to preface this with I am very pretentious. So I may not have like had a, as good a time as like most people were probably supposed to with the later ones. But Fast and Furious as a franchise is about cool cars and shit. And I think that's where it really gets its roots. And that's why some of the early ones have, you know, the potential for a lot of the better, like, uh, you know, a lot of the better cool cars and shit. Um, and one and two are not good. But 
Tokyo Drift actually managed to hit a stride. Again, we watched it as a marathon. And I remember that Tokyo Drift is the first one where I was really actually getting into it and like seriously starting to enjoy it. And I think that's where the whole franchise actually like grows its beard. Um, again, Fast and Furious is about cars being cool and shit. And no movie is cooler or car than Tokyo Drift. Um, Sean is a cool protagonist. I know they get rid of like, I don't know. They don't really have Brian in it or Dom as much, um, but like, it's still, he's a really fun character. And while we're talking about fun characters, Han, one of the main like centerpiece characters of the franchise moving forward is like introduced in this movie. And they do a lot of reworking of the timeline of the uh, Fast and Furious movies to bring to have Han be more of a part of it. He's a he's a fan favorite, has been since this movie came out, but that's why. And one of the biggest arguments I want to make is Justin Lin, who this was his first Fast and Furious movie that he directed. He directed this one through seven. And I would argue that he uh, solidified this series in the same way David Yates solidified Harry Potter. Um, so, yeah, I think Tokyo Drift is the one to best meet your expectations if you're expecting cars and shit instead of like superheroes where their powers are just cars. Gotcha. All right. All right. Thank you for your opening pitch. Right, I feel like I sounded we... really angry during that. Like I'm, I'm having a great time. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> you're good. You're good. It's okay. You want to, the passion, passion should be a good yeah. thing. Use your I just really care about that. Tokyo Drift. <laughs> I really like Han open the floor so you can start attacking each other's points and start expanding on why your film is actually the one that I should see. Okay, now I might be wrong about this, but Kirk, is Fast and Furious 6 the one where they're on the highway and Dominic Toretto is going forward and, and Letty's going the other direction and then they collide into the side and then Dominic jumps out of his car and then catches her midair and then falls off? So you're close. So Fast and the Furious 7... So Fast and Furious 6 is the one where uh, they're chasing after a tank, which mm -hmm. can somehow go highway speeds, which okay. is just so much fun because Ludacris gets to say the line, they got a tank. Uh, and <laughs> Letty, played by, um, oh, what is her name? Michelle, Michelle Rodriguez. Rodriguez is on top of this tank. Mm. And the bad guy like flings her off of the tank. And Dom, who's going alongside her on just the opposite side of the highway, jumps over across the highway and catches her and they fall into a truck and they're both alive yeah because sure. that's stupid <laughs> that's that's really amazing bad. it's I do. so good that's horrible it, it reminds me of fast and furious 6 and onward just the only time like every time i watch one of those movies it makes me think of the ride at universal where you're just sitting in a truck and things are just happening and none of it matters and it's like why am i here why am i oh and he has the cup he has the cup he have the, the fast and the furious supercharged, supercharged. mug right here drinking water shittiest out of ride at universal like this guy absolutely agree with that sentiment He's, my <laughs> god it's just none of it matters and you're just in a party bus and it's just so boring you're right so yes yeah. boring. i would like to uh ape a point from ryan's Thing, which is Justin Lin because Justin Lin directed Tokyo Drift, Fast Five and Furious Six. Mm -hmm. uh, so his direction, because I rewatched part of Furious Seven today in preparation for this, because I was waffling between the two of those. And that movie really is goofy and kind of incomprehensible, even though it's James Wan. But Justin Lin's direction really does hold everything together. There is spatial geography that's maintained. You can tell where everybody, where everybody is. And then they're yeah. just doing cool shit. Yeah. And that's 
so much fun to be a part of. It was, I will say for Fast Five, there were times where the spatial geography did get thrown off. And that was when they were in Rio and they were doing just the running chase where the rock is chasing after them. And then Reyes' mm-hmm. men is chasing after them. It was a little bit difficult to tell where everybody was, but I kind of understood. Yeah. Which I understand is a difficult thing to do, but it could still be done a little better. And I imagine the the other two movies we've listed as our picks are also similar, where it's like it's great and all, but it still could be a little bit better. The shaky oh. cam, mm-hmm. the shaky yeah. cam takes away from it a bit, especially in like uh, running scenes as opposed to driving scenes, because it's like you could control it a bit better in that instance. Mm-hmm. And shaky cam, shaky cam is definitely a choice. And I don't know if it was the right choice for those specific moments to to physically destabilize the camera for the sake of making it more intense. I don't know if that's the right call for the running scenes, the driving scenes, maybe, but yeah, you know, and that's part of my argument for Tokyo drift is that one of the things that just takes a huge step up from the previous ones is the action scenes, the driving scenes specifically. Mm -hmm. I still hold that the opening of Tokyo drift, which is a uh, race through like a neighborhood under construction is one of my favorite set pieces in the entire franchise. And there's one where they fight a submarine. So it's really like, like if, if, you know, half a house is like the coolest set piece, it's really well shot. And that might, you know, again, just be part of, you know, recovering from how bad the first two have the action scenes, like too fast, too furious had the worst stuff, but, um, yeah, like, Tokyo Drift had really good action scenes and actually made uh, driving cars look difficult, look like an actual skill, unlike any other one in this franchise. And also, if they made if they made supercharged about Tokyo Drift, it'd be so much better. (laughs) Probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. However, (laughs) I would like to shamelessly attack Tokyo Drift for the purposes of this conversation, in not only saying that I have uh, Ryan Mayers' Letterboxd open in front of me, and he does have Fast and Furious 6 rated higher than Tokyo Drift, but I would also like to point out uh, (laughs) that (laughs) for all intents and purposes, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift is not really a Fast and Furious movie. It's a sports movie. It's a sports movie where the sport is racing cars. You could, it's basically, it, it weirdly enough follows kind of the same conventions as the Karate Kid, where this oh. uh, young kid moves to uh, an Asian country and then gets involved in whatever sport the people there are participating in. Oh, and the Jaden Smith all Karate of them. Kid. Yes. Oh, I thought the it was the OG remake. Karate Kid. No, oh, no, 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 the bad one. Which is why I'm, which is why I'm uh, hey. tying it to Tokyo Drift because it's okay. the bad one. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> what are you a Too Fast, no. Too Furious fan? No, <laughs> I don't think anybody is that right. Not a single no. person, except maybe Tyrese Gibson. <laughs> now, listen, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, talk about my letterbox here, at least. Uh, drop it properly uh all listeners all listeners of the podcast please follow me that's m-a-y-e-r-s it's my, uh, ryan mayers no space uh please like my reviews i need validation um uh i think that the whole sports movie thing works for this though just because like i don't know everything else like all the other movies feel like they just come in knowing how to you know be awesome in a car like it it feels like like I, I still say that it feel all the other movies feel like 
superhero movies where their superpower is cars and none more so than the later ones like uh like five and six and i i know this might be arguing against myself here but like the rock is the best part of the franchise in any of them and i yes kirk we're all hot for rock but i feel like the uniqueness of this uh the uniqueness of tokyo drift like as you know kind of a sports movie rather than it trying to be like a weird spy thriller or a movie about them you know fighting a submarine or the winter soldier like i feel like having it be a, a sports movie really like makes it feel like like it's actually about cars and family like because there's there's a lot of like character stuff in Tokyo Drift that works really well towards the whole like thesis of family is everything, but uh, I feel like that happens less in the ones where they're trying to like race cars against microchips in space and submarines. And I'm gonna keep talking about the submarine, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know this one. I feel like if you only watched one of them, and you watched Tokyo Drift you'd get out about what you were expecting from a fast and furious movie. As long as you didn't, you know, realize that it was a superhero movie where their superpowers are cars. Okay. But it's interesting that you bring up family because fast five is the first movie where they are brought together to do something as a family characters from every single movie leading up to fast five are all put together and all they, it's like an ocean's 11 kind of thing where they create a team to go and rob a bank which is a, actually it is a vault inside of a police station. So they're robbing a police station in Rio, which is unbelievably difficult. And they have to plan it out. There's cameras that they have to get around. So they have to steal a fast car to get around the corner. They have to win a fast car to get around the corners. And they're trying it out to get around the corners. They can't do it. Gal Gadot is in it. She's great. She's with Han and they're trying to get the handprint, which is a great scene. Very funny. Um there's just so many awesome parts of it. And you talk about openings in Tokyo Drift. The opening of Fast Five is so cool because they're robbing a train. They're taking three cars off the train while the train is moving at very high speeds. And basically, they hook the cars up. There's a, a flatbed truck driving next to the train. And then the car goes and just moves over onto the flatbed. And they lift the flatbed up and they slide right off of it. And it's super cool how they do that because it's like that is like right next to what could be possible most likely isn't but could be possible and well done as opposed to i don't know fighting a submarine or or driving on a ridiculously long runway which is my (laughs) least favorite moment in any of these movies but it's so much fun for 12 (laughs) minutes for 12 minutes i sat there thinking this plane should be off the ground it should not be there anymore why is this still happening ryan you have something to say so i i know the runway is in fast and furious six the mm. submarine keeps getting brought up is that in any of these films the submarine, <laughs> the submarine is only in the fate of the furious the submarine okay. is not in mine this is a straw man and nope. argument and i am feeling uh, very viciously <laughs> attacked and be, i'm, feel I'm, like I'm trying to be in, in poor faith <laughs> i think what ryan and i are trying to do are trying to point to the later movies as being ridiculous and that fast and furious six is a part of that group of being ridiculous but it's really I not definitely agree. it has it has the right amount of being ridiculous but no, no that fast five has the right being, amount of being ridiculous fast and furious six takes it to the next level fast and furious uh, maybe, fast. maybe i'm pretentious but like level. yes we all know that you are but uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> not even maybe point, 
Dylan's point about uh, bringing everybody together and specifically uh, Han and Giselle as Gal Gadot's character's name, uh, their relationship, all of that is perfected, in my opinion, in six. And especially the theme of family. The entire. But it gets ruined in the end. Like, I won't spoil it, but it gets well, no, ruined in not. the end. It doesn't get ruined at the end. It comes to a culmination in the end. It's the it ending of that arc. I it makes think, me sad. I think five. I know. Like in a, a bad movie way. should. <laughs> no, no, no. Because it's stupid. It's stupid how it happens, and you know that it's stupid. Like it. Like I don't want to spoil it for Ryan, but it did not have to happen that way, and you know it. It did not have to happen that way. I think they were always kind of doomed because uh, a major plot point happens in Tokyo Drift, and then Fast and I mean, Furious is four, five, and six are all prequels to Tokyo Drift. So we know there's this dramatic irony as an audience member, knowing that that's where the series is heading and it has to get there somehow. So even though you may not like how it happens, we all knew it had to happen. But they could have very emotionally, like, it's like, it's genuinely a crushing moment to see a character leave and know why they have to leave and what's going to happen to them once they do. And so I'm sorry. So four, five, and six are prequels. So yes, the timeline goes uh, one, two, four, five, six, Tokyo Drift, seven. Interesting. Yes. So that's what you meant earlier, Ryan, when you said they They changed the whole franchise in order to have the timeline Mm -hmm. fit more of on. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, uh, but still, I mean, Kirk, your whole argument is that like just because it ha- we know what's going to happen, they have to build it that way. That doesn't mean they have to write it poorly. That's true. they could have written it better. I mean, they're like, we have a start and we have an end. Let's just sh- bullshit the middle so that we can get to that moment. That's just so <laughs> such bad writing. Because in Fast Five, they set up that relationship between Gagoto and Han, and it's really well done. The way that that's built up towards that end where they ride off into the sunset, which is not really a spoiler. I mean, it's just it, it, it they have a happy ending. Which, I mean, is great. That's a great way to end that. And then you have that ironic tie-in at the end where he talks about the future because we know what the future becomes and he has that ironic setup. And I love that. And then Fast and Furious 6 kills it. It ruins it because it just blows everything up. And just, it does. However, it beautifully stupid. sets up F9 and the things that happen in that. So if you're going to can't, I can't speak to that. I can't F9. That. That's not a total spoiler because that's in mm-hmm. the, the trailers. But... If you're gonna go to, if you're going into this thought experiment thinking I'm gonna watch one movie and then maybe if I like it I'll go see F9, I think that Fast and Furious Six is the perfect bridge between that because it tones down some of the more ridiculous elements that you will find in F9, but a lot of the major plot threads that are brought up here also but, tie directly into that. With even just skipping over seven and eight. But to Ryan's point, we are talking about like a single movie and Fast Five is a from start to finish, just a single story. And so is Tokyo Drift. But when you watch Fast and Furious yeah. 6, it's just setting up the next movie and setting up the next movie and setting up the next movie. Fast Five has no setup other than a post credit scene. Like there is literally like there is a beginning that led up to that moment. And then there is a closed end that could have stopped there if not for the the after credits. Like I'm it was gonna, just done. I'm going to let Ryan make a point against Fast Five for me here. Ryan, how engaged were you while you were watching Fast Five? Uh, Listen, I know I'm making a point against Dylan, but this sounds like it's going to hurt myself. But like, as you remember, Kirk had a lot of trouble getting me to like really commit to this because I was burning out of this marathon very quickly. Mm -hmm. I 
didn't really watch it. I kind of sat in the room while it played and looked up and I was like, oh, they're dragging something behind a car. That's crazy. Um, I was playing uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for most of so, that. So unengaged from the movie <laughs> that he start, would rather play Breath of the Wild than watch the movie. But Whereas, to my point, at that point, to my at point, that point, it was a protest. <laughs> to my point, to my point, as Ryan Mayers has said previously, he is pretentious. And so I, I would, if you had said, if he had said, if he had said he was playing Breath of the Wild throughout watching the entire marathon, I would not be surprised. So him not wanting not. to watch any of these movies is not surprising to me because these movies aren't made for people like Ryan Mayers. I also want to want to watch cool cars yeah. go fast. I also want to say things. that I did try and play it for six, but Kirk wouldn't let me. Um, no, that's not entirely true. He was so engaged for six that we had a mini COVID scare in the apartment where Ryan <laughs> oh, that was, was trapped that in his room. And so uh, I took our uh, doors to our our, uh, our closets have mirrors on them. So I took my mirror off my door and put it on the couch so that Ryan could sit in his room and watch the reflection of Fast and Furious 6. So he was okay, engaged okay. enough that he was willing to go through that. But he wanted to play I was Breath just... of the Wild. So if you had kept him from playing yeah. Breath of the Wild through Fast Five, perhaps he would have been engaged. I was I feel like to. But we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. I'll, I feel like this, that, makes, this makes me sound like I'm like a child that you have to like get to like, you know, eat vegetables. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. I Put your Breath of the Wild I... down, Ryan. You got to take carrots. <laughs> you got to watch Fast Five. <laughs> take, take, take your Vin Diesel supplements. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But I think... I also want to, you know, argue a little bit using my own psychology here, which, you know, is terrifying that part of the reason why I really wanted to continue uh, watching uh, Fast and Furious 6 um, through the mirror, through my like dorm, wearing a mask and being afraid of what my COVID test was going to say. It was negative. Thank you. Um, The reason I was like, uh, reason I really wanted to do that was maybe because I was like, you know, trapped in my room and bored and like wanted to do something that was like you know, engaging with the outside world because that was not my first COVID scare um, through like, you know, just a s- several series of like coincidences and stuff. I had like a few like possible exposures before then. And I was getting tired of like, you know, like playing it safe and quarantining in my room. Uh, so that's part of why I wanted to like keep going with the marathon as just like something to look at other than the inside of my room. So, so you heard it here I, first, folks. Fast and Furious Six is a beautiful uh, piece of escapism and a, a it's true better than having COVID nineteen. <laughs> I will say that Fast and Furious Six is better than having COVID nineteen. You know, you I would just quote me on that. In this, in this I've had I have had COVID nineteen, and I've seen Fast and Furious Six. <laughs> and I gotta say, I gotta pick the COVID nineteen as someone oh that survived it. I just the runway gets wow. me every single time, and it just—it's just if there wasn't that runway scene, if the if the climax of the movie had been built better, perhaps I would love it more than Fast Five. But it's just—it is such a poorly designed set piece. It is a failure story wise. It is a failure design wise, and it just kills the entire movie because it's so boring. It is so boring, just and mind boggling and just ridiculous. It's just so bad, so poorly done. It as is an so argument not against boring. The as rock an kind of against like, Go ahead, Ryan. Cool. Um, as an argument kind of against both five and six, mm-hmm. but mostly six. Uh, Good. Hey, w- listen, you're not safe either. <laughs> um, 
I think that as much as, you know, I'm using it as an argument for my movie, the whole like timeline thing does make a lot of things a little bit weird and like confusing and almost lopsided as like, like time wise. Like I think it gets like, like uh, Kirk said, I think said earlier is like knowing what's going to happen, like kind of makes it feel less dramatic in some ways. And so I think the whole, having the whole like jump backwards is a little bit of a strike against both of them just because like, you know, it doesn't have the same kind of open-ended potential as Tokyo drift or even as like seven. I will say though, fast five, it is still a self-contained story. Like there is a beginning and an end and there does not have to be a continuation with Fast and Furious 6, since they did build off of Han and Giselle, because they could have ended it at Fast 5, and because they keep that going in Fast and Furious 6, you know they're just going to build up and build up to like bring it back to where they left off in Tokyo Drift. So you know you know where it's going, but with Fast 5, you can just be happy, and you know where it's going to go. You don't have to worry about it. You can just be happy with where they are in that moment, and it's fantastic. Go ahead, mm-hmm. Ryan. So there is no dramatic tension. Go on, Ryan. <laughs> yeah well i was just because there's resolution there's resolution that's what there is is there because i mean if it's still the prequel don't you know then like where it is gonna end up happening exactly i'm resolved i'm resolved in, like you don't need to do more with fast and furious 6 because it's just you gotta know another bridge between the two and it's just building and building and building and then it ruins what happened what was set up in fast five if, if it had gone from fast five to tokyo drift and we hadn't learned more about Giselle and Han, I would have been more satisfied. But then they they go back and they ruin it in Fast and Furious 6 by building more and then just, just making me upset. So you're saying the expansion that they did in 6... Ruins, ruins it. Even though it's still the same endpoint that it would have been in 5. Like, there still would have been that same... It connects it poorly. I see. As opposed to not connecting it at all. You don't have to connect it. It's open-ended. <laughs> it's... Their ending in Fast Five is open ended to where they can they leave it open ended so that if they didn't want to continue those characters in Fast and Furious Six, they wouldn't have to and there would still be the same conclusion in Tokyo Drift. They leave it open ended. It's not like they're doing some something completely different and then it like sets up something to happen in Fast and Furious Six and then they wouldn't do it. Like it's open ended to the point where you don't need Fast and Furious Six to continue their story. But they did it anyway and then they ruined it. I still think one of the challenges with this argument though is that uh, even though Fast Five may be like a somewhat contained storyline, it still is in the prequel section of the franchise and therefore owes a debt to Tokyo Drift, which is one of, if not the only self-contained like story that you can watch front to end without having to see any others, except for maybe the Fast and the Furious. It I don't think with excluding the later ones, uh Tokyo Drift I don't think uh correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think there are really any um like real strong ties or link like appearances to anyone else or anything else in the franchise except for like 15 seconds. Um but I think is that right there isn't really I mean they go back after the fact in some of the movies and like reconnect it to Tokyo Drift but mm-hmm. uh Vin Diesel shows up in a post credit scene and and that's about it. Yeah, but aside from that cameo, is there anything else that like connects it or 
No, and frankly, I don't I think, think there needs to be because the Fast and Furious franchise is basically like an action soap opera. Any plot threads that you really need to catch up on, they will catch you up on yeah. as you go yes. through it. So that, to me, is is an, is a non-issue. Well, yeah, but, but in Fast Five, like, because I just watched it today without like seeing the earlier ones for a long time. And so I don't even remember which characters come from which movies, and I don't need to. Like, they, they barely have to explain it. They're mm-hmm. just new characters that are getting introduced, and I it's like they're established with the characters that they're around, so I don't need to watch that character development between the two of them, between the characters that are being added in, the characters from the beginning of the film, and I can just watch them interact and then fall more and more in love with these characters as I, as I watch them do what they do. So it, it's taking established characters and giving them the already established without having to see them be completely established. And I can just watch the development occur without missing any kind of plot points, without missing any kind of super important because it's fast and furious. The character development is fantastic. I'm not missing a lot. I'm just missing like learning their names, where they're from, who they are, things like that. I can just enjoy. Except I still I think there say. is benefit. I still mm-hmm. think there is benefit to having seen the other ones and you get more out of the characters um having seen like the the rest of them and being that attached to them and uh you know caring about them from the previous movies that they appear in and knowing where they come from and what happened before um and like just because you get caught up uh in just because you get caught back up with the characters in a way that's like barely better than previously on the fast and the furious um you still are not getting the full experience you could be getting a better experience having seen the rest of them which makes uh fast five not as not as good as an individual movie as tokyo drift fast five and fast six both owe a debt to the previous movies most of which is tokyo drift which from a meta-narrative perspective yes from a which movie should you watch if you're going to watch one of them no (laughs) well i think i think I think Tokyo Drift for like that reason works best as its own movie. Yeah, but Kirk is right where you could go into any one of these movies without seeing any of the other ones and probably be fine. Like you could watch it start to finish, understand the story and you'd be fine. But the fate and the, or I'm sorry, not fate and furious fast and furious six is like, it's fast five. And then like, it's an immediate sequel to that. Really? Mm -hmm. If you ask me, like they go from one straight to the other. Whereas Fast Five is its own contained story because there is that resolution conclusion at the end to where if Ryan didn't want to watch more, he could watch it and be done. But the fa- the the Fast and Furious 6 is like direct sequel and then builds up to what's next, which is not as exciting to me as, as watching these people who have been built up throughout four movies already coming together and colliding to create this awesome heist movie where they're stealing a safe from a police station well, yeah, exactly. and then driving it through the streets which is awesome like it's that just is, them yeah. it's just them on the lam in rio hiding from dwayne the rock johnson who's chasing them while also trying to steal a hundred million dollars from a drug lord <laughs> which is oh, awesome it makes no sense but it's incredible wasn't this, wasn't this franchise about cars like I thought this was supposed to be they about cars going fast. It. No, see, that's what you're holding. You're holding on to the past, Ryan. The future of Fast and Furious is James Bond times a thousand, and Fast and Furious Six is the perfect bridge to that. It takes, like Dylan said, the the stunts, uh, the the set pieces in Fast Five are improbable, but like probably physically possible if you really mm-hmm. put your mind to it. 
and Fast and Furious Six amps that up to so impossible that my level to where you can't watch it. To the point where, so see, this is where I think it depends on what you want out of the franchise. If you're looking to be severely entertained, then I think you go with Fast and Furious Six. If you are looking for something that's more grounded and plausible, then yeah, I would actually vouch more for Fast Five. But, but I don't think watching, that's what you're going for. If I'm watching a Fast and Furious movie and they're doing ridiculous things and surviving them, then I have no fear that they're going to survive to the next point. When I watch a Mission Impossible movie, because when I'm watching a Mission Impossible movie and I'm watching Tom Cruise pilot a real helicopter down into the ground, and I'm like, I know his character is not going to die, but this is a real risk for him. Like he's this is this is something that could really happen to a person that is really like on the edge of my seat kind of thing. Like in Fast Five, when they're doing the train dodge or when they're driving the cars through the streets. Like you know, at insane speeds with a safe attached to the back, like people are at risk of getting hurt and they're in danger, and you don't know what will happen. And in Fast and Furious Six, they're doing such insane things and surviving them that it's like, what is the point of me watching this if they're not if there's no risk to their characters? Like I'm not on the edge of my seat thinking that they could get hurt at any second. And neither am I. I'm laying back in my chair going, "Fuck yeah, that was awesome!" A tank just that's what you're burst out for, of a semi truck, <laughs> like. That was incredible. They just, somebody just shot a harpoon with like crazy tensile strength wire across and it flipped a car over. That was awesome. That looked dope as hell. I guess, but that's not what I'm looking looking for. Edge of my seat, thrilling action, which is what Fast Five delivers Mm. hand in hand over and over again. It's fantastically done. Okay. The set pieces are great. The Rio, the way to design Rio is fantastic. Just super well done. I love it. Literally. You know, they aim to design after like a real city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it may not be as like insane and like spectacular as the later ones, but there is really good action, really, really great driving scenes in like in uh, Tokyo Drift that have like tension, that have stakes, that have like risk. And I think the really gratifying thing about Tokyo Drift's action scenes is that you can see a progression of skill. You can see like how much of a challenge it is. Um, you can, and so I feel like it becomes more gratifying of like, you know, a success story when, you know, he sucks at it at first. Like, I think that helps. And I, I don't know. It's a more contained story. I feel like, I feel like this is kind of a early versus late fast and furious thing, which there is such a clear line between. And, I feel, and uh between like five and six like that's um uh that's like another th- that's like just degrees of the same thing but i feel like if you want to go back to the roots and you really and you want to see like what really made fast and furious its own thing before it got blockbusterified i think that's why you need to go back and watch one of the early ones and the only early one that's good is tokyo drift don't watch too fast too furious the Fast and the Furious is, I think, actually very good. I have a, I have a real soft spot in my in my heart for that movie. Not just because it started the franchise, but there, are, I think there are a lot of fun moments in that. But I will say, out of the like first four, Tokyo Drift is definitely the best. Yeah, sure, but still not as good as Fast Five. No, I'm of course saying. not, and definitely yeah, not as course. good as Fast Six. So. No, I would disagree. Well, you know, hey I would also disagree, but hey. Oh, guys. But Tokyo, Tokyo Drift is definitely the bottom. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Bottom. I think oh, yeah. we can okay. all agree on that. If there's I one mean, thing we can agree if you're on. going to watch a Fast and Furious movie and you're just watching them drive cars, you're in the wrong movie. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You have to take it to the next level, but without going crazy with ridiculous set pieces that just ignore the audience. 
Exactly. And that's why like, we're not talking like about mental capacity seven. and are boring. Yeah. Well, that's not why I'm not talking about Fast and Furious <laughs> Six. It's just ridiculous. It's just I don't know. Boring I feel like... and, and insane. All right. That is it for the debate time. That was good. I loved it. I loved hearing everyone's thoughts and then getting in w- with it on the other people's films. Ryan, sorry that you got that <laughs> team there at the end. I mean, I knew what I was getting into when I picked this one. <laughs> Um, okay, this was honestly harder than I thought it would be because y'all brought up some good points in terms of Tokyo Drift. The fact that that did spawn three prequels, I did not know that at all before this part. So that is a credit to it. And again, the fact that you mentioned that this is where Han was first introduced and then, is it Han? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That was when he was first introduced and then they made three more films to just feature more of him. So that was uh, certainly a credit to this film. Um, you all talked about how Justin Lin was in. He was the director's chair for all of these. Um, I did also want to bring up a correction. I looked it up and he only directed uh, Tokyo Drift through six. He did not direct seven. Uh, so I uh, I wanted to correct that from what I said earlier. Gotcha. But he still did correct. He just still did direct all the ones that we spoke about. Okay, cool. Uh, you mentioned that the driving scenes are actually really good action um, and that they don't have to rely on those extreme stunts to create that tension. Uh, And then you mentioned it's a better standalone since it's not the prequel establishing on or using other established characters. So those were the pluses I saw with Tokyo Drift, but she also got knocked down because I mean, at this point, Fast and Furious is definitely more well known for the craziness and the ridiculousness. So yeah in that sense it's funny that this one earlier in the franchise is less emblematic of the fast and furious franchise so that's a little difficult for you with fast and furious 6 so this one has the rock first major plus same with fast five that's also a knock against your film ryan because it doesn't have the rock i accept Um, that with this one you're trying to pitch it as the bridge between the more grounded side of the earlier franchise and the ridiculous elements that it became known for, but it's still not over the top. Um, so that, cause yeah, I wouldn't want to go to something like F9, which literally has them going to space. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that this is somewhat more grounded does work in its favor. You kept mentioning the right amount of ridiculousness. It is sheer entertainment. Um, but that it, is slightly more ridiculous than Fast Five, which at this point, I'm not sure if that is a knock against it or not, but um, Dylan had called it boring, but you mentioned that tank's done and other things, the runway, 14 minutes of it, Mm -hmm. which apparently Dylan is just not a big fan of, but it seems like they milked it for all it's worth, so it had to be entertaining if it was that that long, that set piece. Um, You mentioned that this is probably one of the biggest pluses that somebody brought up, one of the best pieces of evidence. Ryan Mayers rated it higher <laughs> than his own film. <laughs> we have the luxury of hindsight, and that's what I'm going <laughs> off of. I'm seeing this as a retrospective, and uh, please, 
if you are going to follow my letterbox, once again, that's Ryan Mayers, M-A-Y-E-R-S, <laughs> all one word. Please don't like, you know, dox me over my inconsistent rating. I have no idea what I'm doing either. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really funny to bring up. And then also the fact that as opposed to Fast Five, which was for Ryan, it was more of a playing through Zelda. <laughs> I'm sorry. Watched it in a mirror. Mm-hmm. And you weren't playing Zelda at all, Ryan? No. No, we didn't want to have to sanitize the Switch. In case I had <laughs> oh, that's the reason. Okay, debate is over now. Debate is over. They didn't have it <laughs> on the Switch, too. Would you have, had there not been a COVID scare, would you have been playing Zelda? Have you Would have been on the Switch? I, I mean, it depends on, like, you know if Kirk would have threatened me, which I feel like he might have, it was getting really frustrating with this marathon at this point. (laughs) So I felt like I might've been in danger. Not actually. Kirk is a great roommate. Love you, dude. Thank you. Love you too. Um, So yeah, that was another really solid point for Fast and Furious 6. With Fast 5, this is probably the one where I have the best sense of the actual story, that it's them going around Rio and collecting saves from police stations, essentially just a heist movie, uh, which, as you heard earlier in the show, when I mentioned that I wish Steven Soderbergh was doing Ocean's 14, I am a fan of heist films. So the fact that this is just essentially one major heist film in cars, that is working for it. Uh, it, Of course, also Dwayne The Rock Johnson is in it. So that's good. Was this the, he was the, first time he was in the mm-hmm. this, is, this is how this is when they introduced him yes yeah gotcha. and I you see. really get a good sense of his character this he's one. a little this one has yet. this one <laughs> has good character development fast five the way you see his character turn around is very well done if i lose this whole thing just because of the rock i'll understand <laughs> but i'll still not be happy about it <laughs> it's not gonna be that wouldn't be the reason but it's possible that it could be one of the reasons because i do love the rock um, hopefully he doesn't let me down in the box office draft later on. Jungle Cruise. <laughs> oh. um, let's see, what else? So you mentioned you tried to hammer home the family themes, that this is a character team up. It's the first time we get to see them all come together, mm-hmm. which, okay, for me, seeing as my first time, doesn't exactly mean much to see them all come together. Um, had you talked more about the banter they had, like the actual teamwork? that maybe would have made it more appealing. Um, Cause yeah, the fact that they just get together, I don't know if I care too much about that, uh, but Gal Gadot is in it and also in six. Mm-hmm. That's also mm-hmm. another plus. Is she in Tokyo Drift, Ryan? No. Man. No. Oh, for two on the <laughs> actors we want to see. You said, so they're still grounded, improbable, but could potentially be physically possible stunts um so that is something that's helpful you're mentioning that it's more of a on the edge of your seat thriller so you're actually still invested in what's going on instead of just looking at it as eye candy so that is a point that you made that i responded well to uh and then you mentioned it's a self-contained story again i can't speak too much on what happens with han and gal gadot's character and how allegedly gets ruined in the sixth one but in this one it's okay even though i still understand you still know the end point so i don't see how six could have messed it up like is it the fact that they just (laughs) 
forced it, like they had to make it set up whatever happens in Tokyo Drift, and yes. that for that therefore undoes whatever cool relationship they had formed in these films. Yes, I mean it yes. could have been. I will say that it could have been worse in Fast and Furious Six. Like it wasn't. It could have definitely been worse the way they did it, but it still was not great. Gotcha. I think it's not treated as well as it could have been, but I think it is treated like fine. I don't think it's offensive. So it just it does spoil Fast Five for me, like their their mm-hmm. relationship in Fast Five. Like it, it, like I can still watch and be happy about it, but it does make me upset to think about the way they took that relationship and turned it. Because gotcha. these movies owe a debt to Tokyo Drift. <laughs> <laughs> we all right. owe a debt. Keep trying. Keep trying. <laughs> I'm really trying, guys. Uh, man, yeah, it's it's tough because those elements about Ryan actually watching Fast enjoying it seemingly the most, uh, and the fact that it, I mean, you had called it boring at one point, Dylan, but it seems like it isn't that if they have enough of these stunts and whatnot. Like, if there's the ridiculous, ridiculousness element to it, it seems like it would be entertaining. Uh, Man, I don't know. If you can tell, I think Tokyo Drift is out, Ryan, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll get him next time. But thank you. I mean, you did. You held your own. Because, I I mean, going into this, I had a bias to the the rock films and the ones that were slightly more about the stunts and them doing cool things and being Mission Impossible light instead of the racing bit. Um, but... Yeah, it seems like the racing in yours is still good action, but wasn't able to overcome. Yeah, but I, you're gonna, I, into. I think the problem was that <laughs> if you're going to get rid of the action and you're going to get rid of the cool stunts, then you have to bump up the writing in the story, like really improve that. Yeah. So that you can really focus on that family and that sort of racing aspect of it, because otherwise you're just watching people drive cars for two hours with no interesting story and no cool explosions. There are a lot of really cool, smaller character moments. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Owen Shaw, the bad guy in Fast Six, he has like an actual ethos, which I mm. can't really say about any of the other ones. Like, he's just very <laughs> focused on efficiency and like his like team is disposable to him, whereas Vin Diesel treats his team as family. And that's mm. kind of what sets them apart and makes them be able to come together and, and overcome. Yeah. If I'm already like voted out, can I put my like vote behind another one? <laughs> I suppose you can. Sure, go for it. Okay, so I lied it. earlier. I lied earlier. The whole mirror thing. I actually really did want to finish Fast Six. Yeah, because wow. it had a really wacky like one. Of the premise of the plot was like something I didn't believe they'd actually do, and I was joking. I was like, "There's no way they're actually doing this, like this very specific plot thing." This very character driven thing, by the way. Very character driven thing. And then they actually did it. And I was like, wait, no, I was kidding. That's insane. That's amazing. <laughs> is it, this could be the defining point. Is it the one where she loses her memory? Yes, it is. This is yeah. the Asian movie. Letty gets yeah. winter soldiered. Dylan, you win. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, what? No. No. This Unbelievable. Is Come on. Kirk, we're starting wondering. our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering because I distinctly remember the trailers because when Dylan had brought up that point of him like catching her on the highway and they fly into that one car's windshield, I was like, okay, I remember that part. And I remember one other distinct thing from trailers I had seen in the past 
And it was that she loses her memory and then they have to do the Which is stupid. Family. No, it's not. She almost gets a, she gets a oh, like an assassination attempt in the fourth movie, which is bad. But then in this yeah. one, they redo that because in the fourth movie, they just think she's dead. And Justin yeah, Lin is yeah. like, hey, that's stupid. Let's bring her back. I agree that it was stupid to try and kill <laughs> and her And so off. they bring her back. And it's a really hard thing because Dom has moved on as a person. He has a new uh, 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 woman, Girl, the, the, the real agent at the, yeah. Yeah, from Fast Five. It's an evolution cool. of their relationship, and then, but then Letty comes back, and he's conflicted. He's like, "Well, she was my family, but this is my family now. What do I do?" It's very, it's so, it's so deep, Ryan. It's so. It's deep. Not like it. It also okay. Also, they have a like fucking Sherlock on. sequence in that movie where he's like piecing that's together Amberson. the crime. That's that's in the fourth one. Really, I thought that was yeah. No, oh. that's ampersand. Well, maybe you should watch four then, because that's no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Throw them all out. <laughs> the fourth yeah. one. So we're gonna go with Fast Five <laughs> because it seems. I mean, again, it seems like that would deliver emotionally. Only if I had mm-hmm. seen Lenny and cared about her. I mean, I love Michelle Rodriguez, but it seems like and that she's would not only in Fast work Five at all either. If so I just don't know really about that in the slightest. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like that is more connected to the things that had happened previously, <sighs> and then that. Okay, wait, hold on. Like I said, it's like a soap opera. She's not in. No. No. Okay. Because I was about to say, how did they kill her off in the prequels if she's going to come back? But yeah, I think just because of that plot point, I remember thinking that was so dumb during the trailers. And right now, Kirk, the way you tried to save it at the end there of how it, there does seem to be at least more emotional heft of now he's got this decision. He's got to reconcile these two families. Mm -hmm. That is somewhat interesting. And now I'm no longer disgusted by the idea, but <laughs> I still think it would work better if I had seen prior to that point, any of their actual relationships so that I cared mm-hmm. about whether he was able to reconcile these two families successfully. Right. So with that said, it is a, a negative against you that Michelle Rodriguez isn't in Fast Five, but mm-hmm. it does have The Rock. Yeah. So because it has Fast Five, as well. Ooh, that's true. So because Fast Five is more of, standalone it does have the ridiculousness it is a heist thriller groundedness yes it is a heist thriller does have those interesting set pieces i think i'm gonna have to go with fast five let's go we're gonna be back with vengeance for the start (laughs) episode yeah or for the mission impossible episode i'm coming for your neck (laughs) what would you guys pick for mission impossible because i would argue for fallout yeah, yeah so that's the problem. We would all, we would all pick, we would all pick Fallout because it's yeah. the best one, arguably. <laughs> Just us reviewing okay, Fallout. Ghost, Ghost okay, Protocol. Ghost Protocol has its moments. Yeah, hey. Ghost Protocol is the Tokyo Drift of the Mission Impossible <laughs> movies. Is it? I, I, okay, uh, I look me in the eyes and say that. Like, there's no way. Two. Everyone says no, it's cool, but nobody remembers anything about it. Like, it is. Well, that's three. That's three. Three is the, three is that one. Maybe. No, what? Philip Seymour Hoffman defines that movie as amazing. Yeah. Like he elevates yeah. it with his Ryan brings together the plots of three through five. So that's <laughs> that's really more on Ryan's ADHD than anything else. But <laughs> listen, I have to look it up. Like which movie it was in the Fast and Furious franchise? I think it was that I started taking Adderall and like started being able to pay attention to them. <laughs> but because <laughs> that, that definitely helped with the marathon. <laughs> well, this has been a great episode i think i think we can call it 
Cinema Showdown. Dylan, how do you feel about that? Since it's sort Fast of Fast and Furious Cinema movie. Showdown, sure. Yeah. Wait, because it's got to be ridiculously long, long title. Like <laughs> well, this is our twenty sixth episode. F twenty six. Fast and Furious Saga Cinema Showdown. <laughs> the Toretto the Files. Saga. Yeah. The Toretto. <laughs> the Family the Toretto Files. Which is as long as we can make it. All right, that's the all the time we have. Down. Yeah, exactly. That's all the time we have. If you would like to give your thoughts on the show or make suggestions for the movie of the week, you can email us at theboxofficeshow at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. Be sure to tune in next week, Tuesdays from 4 to 5. Have a great rest of your day. And thanks for coming on to our guests. We love Yes, it. thank you, Ryan Ooh. Mayers and Kirk Simpson. Thank you for coming. Follow me on Letterboxd. <laughs> Doxin, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs>